All right. Welcome in everyone. Another fun-filled day of Facts Not Failings. And I am so insanely excited to have on Glenn Pash. I feel like you don't even need an introduction because everyone knows you. And I am just so insanely grateful to have you on here today and to pick your brain and to share your insanely wealth of knowledge with everybody. And I would just say, I'll let you go forward and forth and speak about everything because I feel like everyone knows you. But for the very, very, very few people out there that don't know you, Glenn, go ahead and uh, tell us who you are, where you come from, how you got into this crazy automotive world that we're all in right now that sucks us in and we can't get out of it. Yeah, 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 that is true. Well, thank you. And I and I wish it was true that everyone knows me. But <laughs> as a good friend of mine always says, uh, you know, when everybody you think everybody knows you, all of a sudden you introduce yourself to someone, they go, who are you? What do you do? It brings you back down. But I appreciate that. Um, so uh I am partners with my brother, Brian. We own PCG Digital, which is a full service digital marketing agency. And then we also have a division, Brian Pash Enterprises, which focuses on education, training, consulting. And we host two large events, Digital Marketing Strategies Conference in May in Napa Valley, which is coming up in a few months. And then we have one in Florida in November. It is now called the Modern Retail Conference. It used to be AAAS, but got got hard to say. So we had to change the title. Um, I got into this industry uh, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Uh, I was running my own training and consulting customer service and process. Uh, I was building my own business, very similar to what you're doing. And my brother, Brian was helping me. Uh, He started this company, PCG, and he was helping me with branding and how to market myself and what I was doing. I actually spoke at Digital Dealer before I joined him because I was focusing on customer service and training. He said, Ooh, automotive needs that. And um, then after a while I was working at his office, he was helping me. I was helping him with what I do best, which is build companies structurally. And finally someone said, why don't you two work together? And we looked at each other and said, Hmm, okay. And so we've been partners ever since. And so, yeah, I enjoy the automotive industry. It's, it's never, dull. I think it has so many great things about it. Sometimes I think we take it for granted how valuable it is in the towns that they're located in, in terms of the tax revenue they generate or the jobs they generate, but also the careers that people can really uh, obtain have a very great career, both for themselves to grow themselves, but also financially. Uh, it's a great, it's a great industry, and I um I don't think a lot of people realize it. I think a lot of them just go, "Oh, you're selling cars." Versus, I could run a dealership someday. Yeah, yeah and I think that <clears throat> not think. Um, I feel for me personally that a lot of us that just well, kind of fell into this into this industry. I feel so blessed to be in it, and. I had my backgrounds in the medical field. I worked with Broadway shows that toured around the world and the economy just tanked and I needed something. My mm-hmm. buddy said, Hey, Hey, you know, you love cars, you know, more about cars than anyone I know. I think you do really well with this. And I, I just kind of got into this industry mm-hmm. and you just kind of, like you said, take it for granted. Other people don't quite understand until you're in this industry, how, how great it is to you and how wonderful it has been to me. And just like you that it is, it's a wonderful industry and how many good things come out of it. And there's, it, you, there's so many backgrounds that get into this industry. And it's, it's a, a very 
Well, and there's so many different, there's so many different things you can do. I, I taught for a few years uh, up at Northwood University in Michigan. Uh, you know, I'd commute up or do it virtually and, and led their digital marketing uh, course in their, you know, they're one of the only colleges that has a automotive marketing and management degree program. Mm -hmm. And I asked a lot of these individuals why they were there. Part of it, you know, a few of them, family businesses going to school, to learn how to do this. They're going to go back and work for the uh, family business. But a lot of them just said, I love the industry. But by getting in there, they realized, well, I could go work for a manufacturer. And I, if I work for a manufacturer, I could work around the world. I could work in different countries. Um, then they said I could go work for a very large corporate vendor, maybe Cox Automotive, and I could go into a million different areas for them or financial, um, let alone even in the, the dealership itself, running different departments. So as I said, I think people miss that automotive is this huge industry because we just look at the dealership and say, well, I don't want to sell cars. And selling cars is only a very small fraction of what the whole industry has to offer if somebody really wants to dive into it. And I think taking it one step further is uh, talk with a colleague recently. And unfortunately, because it's um, outside looking in is the, oh, you focus on this very small percentage of it. And it gets this very bad stigma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, once again, it's, oh, it's car salesmen, uh, car salespeople and lawyers and Congress. You know, that's where we rank on how, uh, how untrustworthy we are. Well, no, that's not the case. I know that we rank there, but there's so much more to what we do. And that's so old school thinking. And there's so much more that we do and so much more we can offer. And the industry is so much larger than that. So much sure. larger than that. Sure. So much Absolutely. Yeah, very much so. So with that, you've done, you've sat in a lot of different seats, you've done different things, which leads mm -hmm. to just leadership. I mean, there's so many ways you can go into management. And I think in the world that we're in right now with auto, uh, in the auto industry, leadership is something that is, we all, I think there's a big need for it and it's changed on what is needed and the qualities are needed. I just wanted you to speak on that a little bit. Yeah, I think it. it's, you know, you and I were talking before we you know, hit the record button about buzzwords. And I think leadership happens to be a buzzword because I think, you know, I look at it as you're in charge of something, you know, you're in charge of something uh, and you could be in charge of your family. You could be in charge of something at school. You could be in charge of your team. You could be in charge of your business. It is leadership is ultimately how you help that team succeed. Uh, a good friend, Dan Moore, who, you know, president of Vista Dash, you know, he, uh, on my show, on my podcast, he, he said something that stuck with me. He said, really the role of the leader, a good leader is to remove obstacles from your team's path so that they can be successful. Too often people fall into management, which is managing tasks managing day-to-day, -day. where are you? You got to, you know, make sure you're making this many phone calls and just to see, I want to make sure you're busy or we're managing numbers. Leaders lead people. They have to have that long-term vision of where are we going? So, you know, if you, from a, you know, a physical standpoint, you know, someone would say I'm leading. Well, you're the one who's up on the hill where everyone else is down 
fighting the firefight. You know, they're, you know, bullets whizzing over our heads. Well, you know, the leader is saying, go this way, go that way. Or, you know, coaches, I, I think leaders tend to be coaches more. They're on the sideline watching everything. They're not out there necessarily with you, but they're with you in practice. They're out helping you get better. But when you're playing the game, they're watching you. Why? So they can take notes. They're always constantly watching how we need to tweak the team, where we're going, but they have a long-term plan. So, you know, uh, in terms of sports, which a lot of people like, you'll hear teams saying we're in a three-year rebuilding program. Well, they, that means they know where they want to get to, but they also say, this is where we want to get to this year. Maybe we get a little further, maybe we don't, but they're constantly tweaking to keep moving everybody forward to that end goal. They don't get so tied up into what's happening today and lose vision of where we're going. So I think sometimes, again, it's a buzzword, but also I think a lot of times people are not trained. They're put in these positions and they have to fend for themselves and guess. And I think we could do a better job to help those people if we spend some time investing in them and those skills so that then they can perform better. I 100% agree. And I think it also starts from one, when you're investing them is you're, you're, when you're acquiring the talent to begin this the very beginning, this is the foundation of when we train them, when we bring on the talent, what type of talent are we bringing on board? So for the foundation, what, what are we seeking? Are we seeking X, Y, Z? I, I'm always going to use the example of Chick-fil-A. So Chick-fil-A, everybody knows what type of employees work at Chick-fil-A. And we've all seen it. We've seen the commercials. The, the, the quality of employee they're going to have is phenomenal. They're going to go through training. Um, Joe St. John, I remember on a uh, some webinar he had or a conversation we had that it was Taco Bell. Uh, to, I, I'm going to screw up the facts. I'm not going to stat on it. But more or less, the amount of training that they go through to make a taco was just insane. And it's, but it goes back to training. And if we're going to invest in our employees and invest in and know that they're valued and to know, hey, we appreciate you, that mm-hmm. is going to go a really long way. So know that we're investing in our employees. We care about you. They're going to run for walls for us. And as you do that, you're in essence, you're investing in the, in the next generation who's going to, they may not go into quote unquote management, but you're investing in leadership. Because you can be in management, that doesn't mean you're a leader. There's a oh, big difference. A- absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, whatever the title says on your business card was just mm-hmm. a title that someone came came up with a position. It doesn't make you a leader. You could be a leader, and you could be entry level. It's do mm-hmm. I always say, do people come to you for answers? Are they watching what you're doing? Do they gravitate towards you? Those are natural leaders. There's something about that person. I'm always asked when, you know, in, in automotive, someone says, well, how do I find a manager or somebody to run my BDC or something? I said, well, okay, who's in the position right now? If they're off for a week, they go on vacation, there are issues going on right now, or something needs, uh, a question needs to be answered. Who does the team go to? Who do they naturally go to? They're going to someone who has qualities of a leader, which means they know what they're doing. Even if they're not the top performer, they know what they're doing because their performance dictates that, well, you're performing, you should know this. They're approachable, they're patient, they're willing to share, they're willing to take time to help you get better. All of those talents, those innate skills, that's what leaders 
possess and can always improve and learn, but those are natural talents that a leader should possess. Now, going back to what you were saying uh, about the quality of the person, I think that's where there's a big breakdown a lot of times for many companies. I've worked for many businesses. I've built teams, built a lot of teams. So this is from personal experience. I always joke, I've made, I've taken some mediocre teams and made them great. And I've taken great teams and made them mediocre because I forgot what we were doing, what the plan was. I got so wrapped up into immediacy, got to get this done today. I didn't follow my processes. So for in, in this case, hiring, it always goes back to who you are as a company. Every dealership is different, right? They are not Chick-fil-A, right? Chick-fil-A says, this is the way you do it. You have no wiggle room and you have to do it. And everyone goes, absolutely. That's what I want to do. That's a different franchise model than a Nissan franchise model or a Ford franchise model in this. Now, you can debate which way we're headed, but if you're going to say <laughs> they have a lot of they have a lot of uh, uh, leeway to do certain things. So then you have to say to yourself and work backwards to say, how do I want my customers to feel when they leave? I'll guarantee you that's what Chick-fil-A started at. How do I want them to feel when they leave? Now we take a step backwards and we say, well, what do we have to do? What actions do our employees have to do to generate those feelings? Then we take a step backwards and we say, great, now let's build a process. I will guarantee you Chick-fil-A has tons of processes. A friend of mine's son went there and they sent him a big box. It was during COVID when he did his training. He had three Zoom interviews for a Chick-fil-A job. He got a box. He had training online. He had a big manual. So everything's mapped up. There is no wiggle room. So if you have your processes, then you can say, who's the talent that I need to hire to fit that. And then there's things beyond that, which is what technology do we need to do to execute this? But that's where the problem is, is we just hire people without thinking, are they really a good fit? You could be a great salesperson, but you're not right for the culture or how I do business here because you just sell any way you can short-term thinking versus no, we sell this way here. This is our process, or this is how we service our customers, or this is how we do F and I. All that has to be mapped out to your point. Then I can start interviewing and finding the right people. If I don't, I'm just gambling, hoping someone does what I need them to do. And there's a lot of wasted time. Yes, a hundred percent. Yes. And, they, and I want to, as you said, I understand that we're as an industry, not Chick-fil-A, you can still to an extent have processes in place. I was speaking oh, sure. with uh, Alan, Alan Crutch uh, earlier this week and just how Walzer and shout out to Walzer is eight weeks of training, eight weeks of training that an employee will sure. uh, experience. I mean, so there are dealerships for sure that are, are, are doing things to, to best get the most out of their employees and to have a quality of training. So there are definitely dealerships out there. I'm going to make that abundantly clear. There are dealerships out there that are definitely tr doing the best that they can and doing uh, everything they can to have that experience out there. But here, here I think, and, and you're absolutely right. Like there are tons of dealerships that do it really well. Where the caveat is to this, and, and we'll use Walzer for an example, because I know Alan and I know that group. It's not reliant on, let's say Alan was the general manager. Mm -hmm. 
It wasn't Allen's way. So if Allen leaves, mm -hmm. everything crumbles. This is the mm -hmm. Walzer way. Allen fits into that, executes yep. those tasks. So really the best leaders, right? Going back to leadership, the best leaders understand that every position is a role. It's not a person. Mm -hmm. There are duties for that person. General manager does these duties. General sales manager does those duties. So for instance, if you're the general manager, you have your duties. You leave for three days. You leave at 12 o'clock, right? You're only working till 12 o'clock today for some reason, but you're open till eight. Somebody has to step in to assume the general manager duties. The problem is a lot of times in organizations, not just dealerships, like I said, I've seen in thousands of businesses. Everyone else doesn't know what to do. Well, Glenn's not here, right? I Glenn's not here. So we don't know versus no, someone's trained to step in and allow, right? Now I'm going to do the G general manager duty. Someone behind me steps in and does the general sales manager or whatever duties you shift. It's not relying on a person too often. Businesses rely on the person to carry it but when they're not there, it falls or they quit and they leave. And now we have to rebuild versus to your point, I'm sure Penske mm -hmm. and Asbury and Lithia yep. all have their processes. Now individuals can put their own uh, spin on it, their own personality on it, but think of it as an actor doing a play. The words are the words of the words. Yep. How I do it or someone else do it. It's my personality, my take. We might tweak, but it isn't like, I don't like this page of dialogue. We're going to throw it out because then the story doesn't make sense. That's where I think leaders really need to focus on is creating that for a single point store could be for a group is who are we? What are the processes that we deliver to your point? We all are going to deliver it and we're going to hire people who are going to bring their personalities and skills and effort and drive, and it's going to accelerate these processes. And maybe we even tweak them because things are going, but at the end of the day, it's our processes. It's our dealerships processes. It isn't my process, your process. That's where we get into difficulties is we bring a new person in and oh, we're changing everything. And they leave two months later, oh, we're changing something again. Like no yeah. successful business does that. They hire someone in to run our processes, bring new processes, new ideas to our table. But you know, Apple's not changing every, throwing everything out the window because they hired a new head of product development. Like that's crazy. The amount of money that you burn through every time. Well, I have a, I have a new BDC manager. Or I have a new product, you know, insert title here. The amount of money that businesses are just throwing out the window every time they're, oh, we're going to revamp this. And if you're going into the dealership world, if you are a multiple location group, you should have the same process, regardless where I send my lead or regardless if I go into this store, X store, if you're not in the industry, in the auto industry, but having a different experience every single time as a consumer, all of a sudden now I'm like, wait a minute. So I'm going to get a different price. If I go to this location, or this location, well, then why would I ever go to this location? Or I'm going to get a better but that, location. But that's, a, that's okay if that's your business model. What I'm saying is, is that that's okay because I've seen groups that have multiple group, you know, let's say 10 stores. Mm -hmm. 
And everything is decided from the top down, very corporate. Mm-hmm. Here's our processes. Here's how we want to do this. There's other 10 store groups that each individual, they empower the general manager to do it their own way, so to speak, yeah. within some framework. But to your point is I could go to this store versus that store. And even if they're different brands, I'm going to have a little bit different experience because that's the way they want to do that. If you're okay with that, that's all right. Just do it the best you can and maximize whatever process it is, but don't call the cat the dog. Yes. If you want to have this consistent group, if you go to, again, we'll go back to Walzer because you use them as an example. If you want to say any Walzer store you go to, you're going to get this type of experience. Okay. Then you build that. If it's just come to Walzer, we have the best price and, and you, that isn't mapped out internally and you're okay with that. That's all right. But don't market it as wherever you go to any Walzer store, you're going to get this great experience, mm-hmm. but then you don't build it out internally. So again, and listen, there are so many dealerships who are doing phenomenal work. They've thought this through, but yet they are also challenged to say, well, if I bring someone in, how much do I change? Is it the person? Is it the process? And that's always going to be a debate. If you have a BDC that failed, was it the process or was it the people? And then you, Mm -hmm. but you have to really take time to think that through and do a sort of a discovery and an analysis of that versus just, well, we're going to hire another person that person fail or hire another person where we're going to change the process. I've done it. That's why I'm saying this is all from my experience. I've done that. Oh, this doesn't work. We're changing everything. Reality wasn't changing. I didn't need to change anything. I needed to, for me to get more involved, to make sure we were maximizing what we were currently doing. So I always say that before I change anything, I want to make sure we're maximizing what we're supposed to be doing first, because maybe that's the thing. It's accountability. It's not the process, yep. right? It's not the people. It's, it's the leader of the people. So yep. it's easy to sit in a chair or have a conversation and say, ah, oh, they're wrong. And this is this, and this is that. I'm just telling you my own mistakes. And I still make them today. It, and I constantly question myself to, to say, if we're not achieving what we're doing, where, where, what piece, what lever do I need to pull? And that's what we all should be just thinking about as leaders. Uh, and even if we're successful, why are we successful? What's working? Why is it working? So we can reinforce what's working. I think you hit on something very, very key. There is, is regardless what you're doing and we get into no, what's reports you're diving into report. If you're going to dive into a report, you've got to be diving into your own employees. Why is that? If, if you've got a person that's just not working out, like you said, why is that person struggling? Why is the person lagging? Are you not inspecting what you expect out of that person? Did you put the person, maybe the person is a phenomenal employee, but you have that person in the wrong desk. That person yes. should be over here instead. So you've really got to be paying attention. I am a sports junkie. So if I have Phil Jackson sees that, obviously the Phil Jackson, not coach anymore, but if Phil Jackson saw that, Hey, the, you know, we've got a player, Scotty Pippen is you know hurting or whatever. Where do we need to move Scotty Pippen? Maybe he's just pissed off about whatever that Michael Jordan's getting the ball too much. Well, deal with it. Michael Jordan's the best basketball player ever. So he's got to deal with it. Maybe he needs to have another Zen uh, yoga with him or something, but you've got to always have your eye on what is going on with your team to figure out, okay, like you said, what lever do I need to pull? What do I need to do here? Because something yeah. is going on with our team and look internally and know that take your ego, put it aside and say, Hey, I, maybe it's me, maybe I screwed up and I need to know what's going on. And like, right. 
We'll use a leadership buzzword here, but something's going on. Well, I think I I try to break it down. I've, like I said, I've trained thousands of people in my life and I came up with a training process that it doesn't matter. And and I I talked about it at NADA one year and a dealer came up to me and said, no one's ever come up or shared a training process. Everybody talks about here's how we're going to train on the CRM and here's how we're going to do this, do this. He said, you actually have a training process that you could use for anything. Doesn't matter what your training, follow this process. I said, absolutely. But one of the parts of it is if it's all about results and you said something that is really important is we have to leave our emotions at the door, right? Cover up the person's name and look at the results because sometimes we're influenced by, oh, it's Glenn again. How many times do I got to talk to Glenn? But if I just covered that up and if I took it off, and it was someone else who's new, you might go, well, so if you just cover it up, I always say that if, if we're not getting the results that we want, the very first place I say to me is shame on me, right? Maybe it's me initially. Maybe I didn't, wasn't clear. Maybe I didn't train. So the first thing I'm going to say to myself is, was this person properly trained to do what I want them to do? Right. So that's our first thing, because, again, it's all about actions. Actions cause results. We have a tendency to get into a lot of again, we go back to buzzwords, but a lot of, hey, pick up your numbers. Come on, go out and motivate people. Hey, I need to see you be enthusiastic. What the hell does that mean? So I tell people if I can't physically do it, then it's not clear enough. Right. So what are the actions you do to show enthusiasm? What are the actions you do to generate these results. So first question is, are they trained to do it? Yes or no. Number two then is, did I train them? Right? Because someone else could have trained them, but I want to make sure I want to alleviate finger pointing. So then I would go out and follow my process of training. And I would go to that person and say, Hey, how are you doing? So again, first thing you don't go up and say, Hey, you're failing person's hands go immediately up in front of their face and to protect themselves. But if you go over them, you know where we're going. That's leading, lead them to the answer. So how's it going? Oh man, struggling. What's going on? 99 times out of a hundred, they're going to tell you exactly what you know, because they know, like they know they're not doing, they're not getting the result, but there's some lock in their head. So it's either very simple. They don't remember, right? So if I said to them, okay, well, let me ask you a question. What do you remember from training about X? And just shut up for a minute. They're going to tell you one of three things. One, I'm sorry, Glenn, I don't remember. Not a problem. Let's retrain them, get them back on track. Off we go. Maybe in the middle, they remember some, they don't. Same thing. Okay, that part's great. Here's something else. Let's retrain you. The third one is they know what they're supposed to do and they're choosing not to do it. Right. But if I come at them all the time and are like, you're not doing this, you're not doing this. And they're sitting there going, this is why I hate Glenn as a manager. He doesn't understand what's going on. Blah, blah, blah. And you just nod your head and go, and they go back and do the same thing. And they're frustrated. I mean, how many times have people said, oh, oh, is that what you said? Oh, that's right. But if I can really sit down and say, okay, let me, let me just get this straight. You know what you're supposed to do but you're choosing not to do it. Notice my language. You're, you are choosing not to do it. Why? All of a sudden, you'll find out something completely different. Maybe something's happening outside family, 
distraction. And now I can focus on them there. And now they go, oh, this is why I love Glenn, because he's trying to help me over here. Maybe he's or she will turn around and tell me, you know what? I don't think your way works. I think my way is better. And now I can have a conversation about that. And maybe we could set up a deal and say, okay, here's the deal. I need you to do my way for the rest of this month, fully hundred percent. And then next month you can do it your way hundred percent. And then we're going to see who wins. Are you willing to do that? But you have to do both ways hundred percent. So if I come back and check tomorrow, you have to be doing our way, this new way, hundred percent. Are you willing? They're going to say, yeah, because they're going to want to prove you wrong again. Most of the times I know we're going to win but they led themselves down there on the chance that they do better or somewhere else. Maybe you discover because you put your own ego aside, actually a piece of theirs actually works. So take that one little piece of their process and put it into the overall process. And now everybody, but they feel like they're part of the solution. And that's where you can get the results. But to your point is you have to get out there and ask that question, what's going on? It's either they don't know how to do it or they're choosing not to do it, right? So it's a no K-N-O-W mm-hmm. issue or a no N-O. A lot of times we only treat it one way, but if I know it's a no N-O, I have those conversations. Now, if they continue to choose not to do it, okay, now we're going to, you're driving the ship down the road of discipline and potentially losing your job, but understand you're driving the ship, not me. Don't blame this on me. You're choosing not to do it. Then I can't have you on my team, but I at least can put my head on the pillow and said, I've done everything I can. I went back to train. I retrained, had a conversation with them. I gave them a shot to do it. They, and they still, it's okay. Versus I just come at them and say, how many times I got to tell you, you got to do this and you got to do this. And then there's this disconnect and then they leave and you're frustrated versus really trying to solve the problem. I know it's a long answer, but I think it was oh, it's, it, it's beneficial. Very beneficial. Uh, I, I had a very almost verbatim that step down a, with a, an employee one time. And it, I finally got to the point where uh, an employee I just was like beat my head against the wall. I'm like, okay, what am I missing? There's got to be something else. I went through all these things and I just said, there's got to be something else. And so I was talking it out with, uh, with Chris and I go, okay, what else can I do to help this person? Like there's, there has to be something else. And I go, help me think outside the box here. And so I go, I wonder if I take this person out outside of work, because maybe inside of work, this person just doesn't feel like mm-hmm. he or she can open up. Maybe that's what it is. So took the person outside of work and just said, hey, let's, let's just grab a, grab a bite, uh, grab lunch, grab lunch, come to find out there was a whole outside work, very traumatic in, uh, issue that was going on. And I just needed to get the person outside of work where the person could open up. And that's what the issue was. And then from now on, we were good to go. But I was like, you are not retaining anything I'm, that we've talked about. You're not retaining any, any, any training that's going on. I was like, there's got to be something more. But it was, you just, you, I had to keep prying and prying and finally think, okay, what else can I do? Let's get you outside of work. No, Talk but that's me. a really great point because some people will respond to the way that I did. And, and I'm glad you reminded me because that is something that I will do if I don't get like a last time, a chance is let's go to lunch. Let's get out of here. Let's go see what's going on because then they'll relax. And more importantly, you also have time because again, in inside the dealership, you could take a 
15, 20 minutes to half an hour. But if you're spending more than that inside, your your brain is start going, ah, I'm wasting time here. I have so many things to do. They're sitting there going, okay, okay, okay. I got to get back to work versus saying, no, we're actually going to lunch. No worries about anything. This is our time. To your point, people's defenses will come down. You start talking as people, they feel comfortable enough to say to you, yeah, I'm having this problem at home or you know, my, my child is going through something and that's distracting me. And you say, okay, now, but the key is that's the issue we're working on versus your lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Versus you're, you just can't retain this versus know that. And that breeds loyalty because now as a leader, you're looking at them as a person, not an employee or some number. You're actually getting into them to help them. And now you have something that you can build off of to build that relationship. And now you're building loyalty because they're going to sit there and say, wow, I love, I, I, this is the person I want to work for. Yeah. I think it's it's just really big to, like you said, just everything there, I think is very big. And I, I love the the no versus no. That's a very, very, very good one. Thank you on that one. Yeah. Very I stole good. that one from somebody uh, <laughs> a long time ago. No, I, I, because I, I was explaining it and someone said, well, what you mean is this versus this. And I said, if I, I, and I'm in marketing and that's one of those things I always struggle with coming up with those beautiful little, oh, it's those <laughs> and, uh, acronyms and, oh, it just fits so perfectly. And mine is always clean. When I write it out, there's no word that you could possibly come up with, with the first five letters. And I'm going, ah, I can't do this. So someone did it for me. And I said, thank you. I'm taking that thank now. You. I'll be creatively borrowing this from you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay. So with all of the, we've got training, we've got uh, how to dive into other, you know, what's going on with, with the world we're in right now, hiring is a little bit of a, a little bit of an issue for some companies out there, we'll say, and people are, we've got the great resignation going on. So with hiring, what are some tips that you would say for out there? You know, when, when do you start looking at hiring for, for your company, for other companies um, with kind of the craziness that's going on right now? Well, there's a couple things. I think this this uh, idea of the great resignation, like people are just quitting jobs. Now, again, there are you whatever stance you're looking at from government intervention, saying, "Oh, people, government's paying people to stay home." Okay, but eventually that ends. I think there's just more opportunity for people now. Where I was having this conversation this morning on Clubhouse, and I said, you know, there when I was younger, and I'm you know, older growing up, you had to go to get a job. You had to go somewhere and physically go work somewhere. And there wasn't so many options where if you just said, I quit my job, it wasn't as if there's so many places you could go work. Nowadays, I could sit at home and I could, you know, flip products online. I could get paid to review websites. I could drive an Uber, right? So there's there's more opportunity now for people. Plus a lot of people, I think just got fed up. The one thing about COVID with businesses shutting down or people having to get furloughed or whatever, they just looked at it and said, I'm getting paid minimum wage, which is what, 725. And they're thinking to themselves, I'm working all these hours for $7 and 25 cents. 
there's got to be something else I can do for $7.25 or $10 or $12. And now that's where the competition is in my local town here at Chick-fil-A. Um, I think they're offering $17 or $18 an hour to go work. So when you start getting up to almost $20 an hour, if you think about it, I work 40 hours, that's a $40,000 a year job to work at Chick-fil-A. So now businesses have to say, wow, I'm can be even at $15 an hour, you know, $30,000 to work in a fast food restaurant. And you're sitting there as a business saying, yeah, well, my entry level is 25 or 21 or 22. And people are going, no, yeah, but I have a great job. I don't care. I'll go, I'll smell like French fries when I come home, but I'm making 10 grand more. So I think businesses with hiring, we're struggling with it for some of that reason where it's just, there's, everybody's looking for people. So this is a, a, a good time to be a worker because you have options. You have choice in the matter of where you want to work, what do you want to do? If you're willing to want to work at different things. Now, uh, your other question about when to hire, that's a great, uh, a great topic because I, again, I'm not sure how many people think that way. It took me a long time to do that because I used to wait till I needed a person. And by that time it's too late. Right. So for, for, for my business, every person, right. Uh, let's say we'll focus on our account managers. They can handle their, you know, bandwidth, so to speak, is a certain number of clients. So I have to balance what my sales pipeline is. So if all of a sudden I'm bringing in new business at a certain pace, eventually I have to hire another person because these people are filled up, right? And so you have to look at it and say, okay, so think of it from a dealership. If all of a sudden I have all of these leads coming in, well, how many can everybody handle? And so if I'm going to keep increasing this, or even if I'm going to have this same number of leads, are we handling them? Well, maybe instead of four people, I really need six people. I've done this in BDCs come in and there's 600, 700 leads coming in and they say, yeah, we have two people in the back. And my head goes, what? And I'm thinking, well, no, you really need this many. And they say, well, I can't hire. I said, well, then stop marketing and buying all these leads. No, I need the leads. I said, you're on the gerbil wheel of that. So it is about depending on how you're growing. If you're growing your business, you have to think backwards again. If I have a person who can fulfill a 50% capacity, again, going back to our company, if I said, how long is it going to take for someone to handle half a client load, half a full client? And you might say, well, that's going to take probably three months because it's going to take a month to go through training, then a month to start, you know, and part of that month is shadowing people. And then you say, okay, well, you're going to take a quarter. You're going to get some new client. By the end of the third month, you can get up to a half and it. Now you go back and you say, well, that's when I hired the person. They accepted. They're in my chair here. How long does it take me to hire someone or find someone and interview someone? You might turn around and say, well, it takes me two months. So that's telling me it takes me five months. So that means if I'm projecting out sales over the course of the next five months and I'm going to see, I'm going to need somebody to take on this in five months, I got to hire somebody today but we all don't think that way. We wait till it's like, oh God, somebody quit. We need somebody, right? 
And so it's a combination of when things are going well, that's when you spend money to invest in growing your team versus when things you lose and all of a sudden you panic and you have to hire, but they don't have the money to hire. But that's the way you project out, at least the way I do it. So from a sales, again, sales, if all of a sudden I see more and more people, I hired a marketing company and we're starting to see more people come in and we're starting to see more leads coming in and we're starting to get... Well, how many people do we need to handle this? And well, we got to hire a couple more people. Well, how long does that take, right? So that's where that projection goes out and looking at it so that when that surge is there, someone's stepping in to handle it versus I'm starting my hiring process, which means putting an ad out and looking for someone and missing all of those opportunities, I'm letting all that money that I spent to generate these opportunities go by the wayside or don't get the attention they need because there's only just so much any individual person can do. So that's, that's with hiring. Yes, it's challenging right now, but as we opened up, are you selling your dealership in this case with the same, as a great place to work, a great place to build a career with the same focus and intensity as you are selling your vehicles or oil changes or whatever else? Probably not. So if I come to your website, do I see a career page? Do I see testimonials from your employees that tell me this is a great place to work? And you know what? I started in here five years ago and now I'm the general sales manager, or I'm in F&I, I started as a salesperson, then I moved over here and then I moved over here, right? You need those testimonials about you as a business, very much like you want testimonials from your customers to say, this is a place to buy your car. Well, why don't you have testimonials to, from your employees saying, this is a great place to work. So I think those things also help in your search for, uh, for business, you know, for employees, for your business is, are you advertising? You're really a great place to do, to, to work as a career, not just a job. I, I have never thought of putting like, in this case, a dealership to put customer, uh, employee testimonials. That is a brilliant idea. I mean, too often, there are a lot of awards out there and some that obviously can be bought. Uh, so, oh, we're the best best uh, dealership or best business to whatever, blah, 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 insert here. Uh, and with any award, sometimes you have to take them with a grain of salt. However, the testimonial, that's a whole different story. So that is a very, very good idea. Yeah, we, we, I thought about it because I was working with somebody and we were building because we always, even our own company, we had a career page and we had the jobs mm -hmm. there. And, you know, we would push out in our posts saying we're hiring, we're a great place to work. But I was working with a group and they, that was one of their struggles of career. And I looked at their first, they didn't have a career page. I said, well, why don't you have a career page? And then yeah. it just clicked one day. And I said, why don't we have testimonials from your employees? And immediately I called my team and said, we don't have this. We need this. And now we have it at the bottom of our career page. And the stories, there's four of them. And someone said, I've been here for over 10 years and I started here. And now this, someone else says, look at all the skills that I've learned. And now that I've, I'm speaking or I'm doing this, like that shows that this is a place to be for 10 years. And it's a great place. To, and I'm growing and I have new you know, even for a small company, you move up and you're do different responsibilities. And it's helped us because people are, when they reach out, they say, oh, I read 
the, those mm-hmm. testimonials. I think it gives weight, just like anything. You can advertise you're the best dealership to buy a car from, but what does everybody say? Get Google reviews. Why do we need mm-hmm. Google reviews? Because we want our customers telling other customers, this is a great place to buy your car. Same mentality. Why wouldn't we have our employees? Because every single dealership has people who have stayed and moved up, came in at entry level, moved up to here. Maybe somebody who was worked, you know, as a, a porter is now in sales and now they're generating money and they're having a great life. Or they come in here and they say they invested in me in training or a general manager who said, you know, my owner has invested money in me. They've sent me here. They've sent me there. They've done this for me. Great stories because that's what people are looking for, especially if you're in the automotive space and you've worked in dealerships. There's constantly people looking for dealerships that you can say, I want to move up. Can I move up? Are they investing me in training? Uh, So again, you could sell it, but we need those testimonials from your people that said, this is really what it's like working here. I think that so is going to be, it's so beneficial to help you, especially in now, like you were saying earlier, it's so competitive. What's yeah. go- So again, going back to, we have a why buy, we have a why service, why, why work here, right? I why should that- you work for ABC, you know, Glenn's Toya? Why should you work for me? Well, I'm going to tell you why, but here, let my employees tell you why. It just makes sense. 100%. We just have always missed it for some reason. Well, and I think with with all the craziness with you know trying to I'm going to throw a five thousand dollars signing bonus, which I have my own thoughts on the signing bonus situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're going to throw that at someone, if you still obviously it's not working so well. I, uh, living in Chicago, billboards are a very very expensive as as they are in New York. They're very expensive, and if you're taking billboards out and you're still not getting people to come on board. That says something. Signing bonuses, mm, have my own feelings on that. Customer testimonials are going to make a lot more sense because that is telling them, hey, this is, we value our employees once again. Mm-hmm. People want to come to work for a place where they feel valued, where they have actual real value. I, I use that same word again, but it's not, I'm going to throw a bunch of money at you because that's, it's not what that drives people as much. I well, mean, yeah, it depends what, what but you, but again, usually with those bonuses, there's some caveat, like you have to work mm-hmm. a certain period of time and then I'll give it to you at that time. But then you're saying, but I gave it. So I I'm not a fan of that either. Mm-hmm. I'd say throw $5,000 more on their salary, like raise the salary mm-hmm. up. Yep. You know, if you're willing to give them $5,000 in their hand right now, then raise their salary because that's really $10,000. If you're going to give them $5,000, right? Again, it's not really 5,000 because taxes are taken out. So it's not really $5,000, but then just bump their salary up or do something else. Or to your point, it becomes more of a ground game. I'd take that money and give it to my employees and say, Hey, I'm going to do a referral bonus. Anybody who brings someone in, if we hire them and they stay 90 days and work with us, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars. Yeah. Why would you know people inside the building already know what it's like. They know what the culture is like. They'd love to recommend it to their friends or maybe just they'll do the groundwork, give them little cards and put their name on it and they go hand it out or put, you know, a lot of times in your town, 
billboards aren't going to, especially again, it's a large town, but it's like your community. People know the community. How can I get groundwork? Are you willing to take an ad out? Are you willing to take a radio commercial that you're hiring? And here's a vendor, and then drive them to your page on the website that talks about how great you are with all the testimonials. Are you willing to do a video pre-roll campaign focused only on hiring? Where your whole video pre-roll is about testimonials and why you're great. Not, hey, $3.99, best part down versus, hey, this is the best place. Are you looking for a career? Are you looking for, uh, you know, uh, challenges? Are you looking to work in the customer service business? Well, then you need to come over here and here's the link. And they go over there and they look at this page and they say, wow, look at these people. I never thought of all the things you could do, especially when you have those stories of people moving up and saying, I've been here for five years and now I'm the general manager, or I'm the general sales manager, or I'm leading a team or I'm doing this. And I started here and they invest in me and I get this and I get bonuses. And, you know, it. the other thing that I love about automotive is very similar. I worked in hospitality. Some people get bored. They can go work in an office and make, you know, uh, let's say $50,000, but it's boring where dealerships every day is different. Right. You have your processes, you right. And that's why I equate it to waiting tables because I waited tables and bartended and cooked and everything else like that. Is some days you're slammed and some days it's slow, but every day is different. And so that for certain people, they need that. They need the every day is different, but that structure around them. And What's better than working around some really nice cars or helping people with their problems of getting a car or fixing their car or whatever, but advertise that, be that difference. But sometimes, again, we'd get the billboard versus a lot of groundwork. I mean, most dealerships have 100 employees or more. Are you telling me that if they push something out to their network on their Facebook or social, or they pushed out to just their friends? That's probably a thousand people that could be touched with that 100 people about, hey, do you know anybody who's looking for a job? We're hiring for X. Here's what we do. Here's how we train. This is what we do. I love it there. Look at me. Remember, I started here and now I'm here. Like I'm the perfect example. And so what if the person gets a little bonus because they did that? If you want to recruit, you have a a hundred recruiters at least in your building if you think it through and leverage it to reach out and to leverage their networks of people about how great it is. Now, again, if you're not a great place to work, then what are I'm they going to say? <laughs> but if it is a great place to work and they and and you ask these people to go out and reach out and incentivize them a little bit, why not? I mean, that's the way companies grow. People want to bring mm-hmm. their friends to work or they hear about it or, oh, somebody, oh, my cousin's friend is looking for a job. Why not network to at least have someone validate that this was a great through a recommendation, right? Just like we do for restaurants and recommending for car. That's what we do. We ask people, hey, if you know anybody who's buying a car, recommend. How many people, when somebody buys a car, do we also ask? I just thought about this. You sell 100 cars. Do you ask any person that you bought a car? By the way, do you know anyone who's looking for a job because we're hiring? Like right there, some of the people who sell 300 cars, you're talking to 300 families. Now on top of your 100 people, those 300 or 200 or 100. Huge. Huge. And guess what it costs you? Costs you effort and just remembering it. 
So as you're asking for a review, hey, recommend. Hey, is and do you know anybody who's looking for? A, especially after a person goes, man, you were really nice. Yeah, I've been working here for five years. It's a great job. Started here, moved up here. Man, I'm doing really well. I can't wait. I'm on a path to do X, Y, and Z. By the way, if you know anybody who's looking for a job, we're always hiring. Here's my card. Tell them to call me. Why not? Simple things. And as it, too often, I think we just overlook. It, keep it simple, stupid, right? We overlook the easy things. To, yes, can you still spend money, advertise? Yeah, sure. The, the easy solutions are right in front of our face. It's just thinking outside the box. Yeah, we just don't leverage our own. We don't leverage our own people at times. We forget about that. You know, we don't leverage the fact that, you know, when I tell them, listen, if you're posting something on Facebook or whatever, or you see it, have all of your employees share it out to their networks. Now, not everybody's going to do it, but it just pushes it out into somebody else's network of friends. Why wouldn't you Mm -hmm. do that? Just consistently push, push it out, especially if it's, Hey, look at the charity we just supported, or look at this cool car, or, Hey, look at this person I helped. Hey, if you know anybody who who needs something or same thing, Hey, we're looking for people. If, If anybody knows anybody who's looking for a job, have them come on over and talk to me leverage your people. You have them right under your nose and they have friends as well. Every single person I will guarantee you who's on Facebook is connected to more than a hundred people locally, locally, Mm -hmm. locally. So leverage that for your needs as an employer. I think, I think that's another way that you can start reaching out to people to help with your hiring needs. Awesome. Glenn, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for all this. Uh, sure. Got a couple of uh, lightning round questions for everyone that comes Ooh, on the show. I like these. First all and right. foremost, uh, we've got the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. So who, who are you taking? Who are you wanting? I have no dog in the game because I'm a New York fan, but I, I, gotcha. I'm torn I'm really torn because I re- I I want Matthew Stafford so badly to win because he he was on so many tough teams, you know, hard they, they were just oh, I don't want to say they're bad or, because they I have bad. friends in Detroit and they'll yell at me. Um sorry, Detroit. Was, sorry. <laughs> I know, but it's like the Jets, you just go, huh. So um so for that, you know, Aaron Donald, you know, there's people on that team that, you know, you want them to win. But I just tell you, Cincinnati, that's like the oh, underdog. I mean, that team has been through so much, so many struggles. And, you know, I just like the makeup of their team. I like the, I like Joe Burrow. I like their kicker. I like all the people on that team. And I just, you know, it, it's hard. I'm going to be happy for, I'm going to be happy for whoever wins. And I'm going to be really sad for whoever loses because they're both great stories. And I know Kevin Fry, if you're listening, you're going Cincinnati is the only choice. I get it. Um, so that's that's where I stand. I'm, I just I just hope we've had such great games in oh, this man, in have. this probably the best in all of the playoffs. They've all been great. The majority of them have all been by overtime or a field goal at the buzzer. You know, at, at time runs out. So I'm hoping that type of game happens again. So that's my answer. Yeah, I, I'm going to say ditto to that as well. Um, Joe Burrow has just been phenomenal watching him. And same with Matthew Stafford. You're, you're kind of pulling for him in that regard just because he's he's had a rough go with Detroit, to say the least. And it'd be great to see Aaron Donald get a, get a ring. Um, yeah. But, there, but to have Cincy have a, 
have a ring, man, it would, it, the, it would, it would be, the city it would be needs great. it. Oh yeah. It, it, yeah. It. It'd be great. It'd be great. Yeah. Um, okay. So next question is, uh, outside of, outside of work, what do you, what are you doing for fun? What are you doing to unwind? Uh, I wish I did more to unwind. Um, <laughs> I'm always busy with the family and, you know, we're just constantly busy shuttling my two young sons around to different things, but to relax, I like cooking. That's what I do to relax. I, nothing makes me happier than being in the kitchen and nice. putting a meal together. And when people are over, I like hosting and cooking. I, I don't, I'm not good at sitting down. I find myself just being in the kitchen and helping and doing things. And so that that's the way I relax and unwind. And my wife enjoys that. Nice. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good hobby to have. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So with everything that you do, obviously you're a disruptor in the industry in a very good way. What is something that you're constantly trying to dispel facts from feelings and what you do? Well, I think from marketing, is that not all marketing works. You know, you, you try different aspects. Sometimes it connects, sometimes it doesn't. The key is always as an agency, our goal is to constantly keep moving the ball forward, keep learning, adjusting, tweaking, because not every market's the same. You know, what works in Chicago doesn't work in the South, doesn't work in the, on the West Coast. So you constantly, and it's the same thing of, you had said it earlier, being a partner with your with your uh, the dealerships we work with to understand what they're trying to accomplish. Me sitting in in my you know in New in New Jersey or wherever my team is remotely, we can guess, but we really want to know. So that's one. And then also from the other side is that helping with the marketing message that automotive is one a great place for for careers, and the majority of dealers are out there doing a good job and trying to do a good job for their customers and for their employees. And you're right. It's a bad reputation, but a lot of that is gone. A lot of that is gone. That's just a stereotype. And in every business, there's stereotypes, you know, you can look at any show and it's going to be the stereotype, evil lawyer, stereotype, robber, stereotype, this stereotype, that dealers are some of the biggest hearted people I've ever met. They're some of the biggest contributors in their towns. They're some of the biggest employers. I mean, so many of them, you know, give money to charities, host. They do also do a lot of things behind the scenes that nobody knows about because they don't want to be braggers. So I'm just very proud to be part of the automotive industry. I think, as I said, that if I can dispel any of that, Listen, you're going to go to a restaurant and not have a good experience. It doesn't mean all restaurants are bad, right? Find the dealer that you like, find the salesperson you like, and but don't blame the whole industry. That's sort of silly because you're you're missing out on something really great, but it might be a dealership down the road versus the one that you're right you've dealt with in the past. So don't don't whitewash everybody is trying to rip me off because they're not. I yeah. Kudos. Yes. Very. Yeah. Uh, last question I have for you. What is some advice that you have for your younger self? I think for my younger self is, um, I think about this often is I always was a pleaser, wanted mm -hmm. to make sure everybody, or as my wife would say, you worry about everybody first before yourself. 
And I don't necessarily, I always just push back on that and say, well, that's all right. But she says, sometimes I think you haven't voiced your own opinion enough for yourself or demanded more, uh, not respect because that's earned, but, you know, push more for yourself and because then you can do more for others. So I think for that, for any young person is, you know, keep, keep pushing, keep trying fear. You know, don't listen to that in your head, try something, go after it if you believe in it. So I think for me, if, if anything, I probably would have done more for myself versus others and making sure the whole team goes forward first. But I don't know. That's the way I am. I'll always, I'll always be that way. I don't think you're going to change that. I'm too old to, to get out of helping everybody first. And then as they say, leaders eat last or in, in the restaurant industry after everybody's fed, then the staff eats dinner. So, you know, it's, it's just ingrained in me since I've been uh, probably the youngest of five boys. I made sure there was always peace in the household. <laughs> So. No, it's, it is difficult. Uh, I've, I've struggled out with myself for many, many years of being the people pleaser and, and to just finally say, you know, you, you, you do need to step up and have your voice heard and yes. to, that you can't, you cannot please everyone because if someone somewhere, somewhere you're going to uh, make someone upset and that, and that's okay because you can't please everyone. So I think that's yeah. very, very good advice. Very, very good advice. Well, Glenn, once again, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, thank you and for having me. It was fun. Yeah, it, it's been so such a pleasure. And for whatever team for what you're cheering this weekend, as long as it's a good game, it's going to be phenomenal. And absolutely for, for the marketers out there, it's obviously the Super Bowl commercials. Uh, they keep going up each year, and I'm sure that they'll. We're all going to have our favorites. Million sure. dollars for thirty seconds. That's insane. <laughs> yes, but at the same moment in time, there are people who will say that's probably a phenomenal value because look at all the people who are going to see it. Yep. And you, and we all know that you always have your favorite, but I can go back and still think, oh my gosh, that's real commercial, you know, 10 years ago. There's yep. one in the like, like 92 that I still remember. I'm like, oh, that was my favorite commercial. They played <laughs> it once and never played it again. Uh, it was a McDonald's commercial. Uh, so I still in my head. So Yeah. But thank you so much, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend. As always, just be kind to people. When you see someone that needs a helping hand, reach out, help them, and we will see everyone next week. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks. Thank you.